Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Pod save the queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I'm your host, Anne Gripper, and this is an episode that I have been wanting to do for a really long time. Um, What does it mean that a member of the royal family is mixed race? Does it matter? Um, As it is coming up to the end of Black History Month, Megan was talking about race on um, her visit to South Africa. And I've had two fabulous panellists agree to join me to talk about it. It means that today is the time. So who are these fabulous panellists? Firstly, Eva Simpson, Mirror columnist, a 3am girl when I joined the Mirror way back when. So she used to be... Uh, Showing my age now, Anne, my no. goodness. Well, it doesn't show on your Our face. Ages. Well, yeah, my age as well, absolutely. So we'll, we'll, we'll take a picture later. And I mean, we, if we played Guess the Age of Eva, I think I think you would win that one. Oh, it would be fine. Oh, it would be fine. Checks in the post, Anne, checks in the post. So we'll be on, we will be on Instagram later, don't worry. And you can follow Eva on Twitter at Eva M. Simpson. Um, and I am also joined by Leah Sinclair, online audi- editor of The Voice newspaper, launched 37 years ago as Britain's first black newspaper. It did, at Notting Hill Carnival, actually. So, really um, important place in black British culture. And I really like, when I was um, researching for this, I really like the strap line that you have online um, describing kind of your your mission now of being committed to celebrating black excellence, campaigning for positive change, and informing the black community on important issues. And I think that is like, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of the motto. I don't like, I think, I feel like Megan would want to post her own flag on that as well yeah I one would hope I hope so but you know it's all about positivity and um celebrating black excellence and I think some would say that she's part of that so that there are some big questions that I think we we will hopefully um be able to explore a little bit today um it's a subject that in all honesty I think a lot of British people myself included are not very comfortable talking about race and I mean I know I'm not I'm I'm white I'm British I'm you know arguably I'm part of I'm part of the problem I'm part of the establishment I don't want to be but I know that I have you know I have blind spots we all have blind spots and I know it's important to talk about them because I think it's fine to be uncomfortable but then it's not fine to stay in that discomfort I think it's important to have conversations like this so that we can all learn from each other and educate each other there's nothing to be uncomfortable about it's just that we we don't discuss it that often I think the British way is very sweep it under the carpet just pretend we can't see it and just act like it's not there and we just keep moving keep calm and carry on everything will be fine just just pretend it's not happening by doing that I think we stay in that discomfort so I think it's good to talk about things that make us uncomfortable to just get past it so um when Meghan and Harry got engaged last year I mean did, did you cover it in the voice as an as an issue 
we did not so much as an an issue per se but obviously a celebration it's a, a big thing I think you know right out of the bat with their relationship there was a lot of criticism some of it had a lot of racial undertones as well as you know sexism and I think to get to that mark of their engagement we all saw it as a celebration as a great thing but at the same time we were also privy to uh, the negativity that would eventually come of that. So I think for us, it was a case of celebrating the positivity of their engagement, but also being aware of that negativity that was coming. Like all of this that's happening, I think you'd find to a lot of the black community, no one's surprised to see this criticism and to see uh, some of the comments and the ways in which Megan is treated where it does have kind of a racial bias and a racial slant. It's not a surprise to us. So I think for a lot of the time, we wanted to celebrate their engagement, but also kind of be prepared for what we're now seeing essentially. How about for you, Eva? How did how did, I mean? Did you, did you see it more as a celebrity thing at the time? Being your your showbiz background, were you were you aware of Meghan Markle as a as an actress? As I guess I'm not a huge TV watcher, so I wasn't aware of of Suits or her as an actress. But when um, the news broke that they were dating initially, I was quite excited actually, because she's not the archetypal royal bride. She's not a uh, public school posh middle class white girl from the shires i guess <laughs> or wherever <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. aristocrats live in yeah. britain um so it was very different and she is a woman of color her mother's black so she has black in her family so i as a black british woman i was quite excited i thought this was interesting it was different it was modern and i was um i wouldn't say i was doing a jig but i thought it was i thought it just showed some evolution in the country is what I thought because I think uh, when when they were first dating and first engaged I think that was when the the conversation kind of there was a bit of conversation about you know Megan being mixed race joining the royal family it's going to modernize them this is going to be a royal wedding like no other and that kind of thing they went to Brixton um for their first official engagement and around that there was some conversation as well Brixton being um a place in southwest London where a lot of the Caribbean population moved to when um through the kind of Windrush immigration in the 60s and 70s um so I mean did you did you Leah was saying that she could sort of almost preempt and predict that it wasn't all going to be plain sailing did you have worries about it as well I didn't I wouldn't say worries but I was aware that there was a lot of hype around this one woman this one mixed race woman who was marrying not the heir but his brother and there was a lot of hype about is she going to modern modernize the royal family is she going to is the world suddenly going to be different and I felt this is a lot of pressure to bear on one woman who is falling in love she's going to marry her prince and ideally live happily ever after and there was just I think the conversation was a bit heavy because I felt as a black woman in Britain I didn't what what can she change single-handedly I think there are changes there's evolution around it and even having a conversation makes things evolve as well but I um I thought there was a lot of pressure and a lot of hype and a lot was made of this mixed raceness of her which Prince Harry was very quick to jump on and nip in the bud and say what's all this this focus on race and all this negativity that as Leah mentioned that was coming as a result of her race that was sort of being talked about but I think um so yes I would say that I was just conscious that she was already being put under a lot of pressure and now we fast forward two years and we see the how that's panned out. So 
I know that um, kind of immediately there were issues, certainly on social media and the comments that were coming in from, you know, even like kind of the official Palace Instagram accounts and that kind of thing. There was a, there was a you know, there was an unpleasantness and it, it, it you did have people coming out from under yeah. the carpet making racist, either overtly racist comments or just, um, I don't know, being sceptical or negative or I think they had to kind of have a bit of more moderation policy and and deal with it to try and clean up that we we know that social media can be quite toxic at times with social media with comments I mean usually we come to we just come to read the comments we don't even read the (laughs) the articles okay let's straight to the comments and see what everyone is talking about but it can be hideous out there so some of the things some of the comments you know, people just throw everything at her. But race, the fact she's an actress, you know, there's a sense that... She's a divorcee. To, she's a divorcee, she's a gold digger. All these things were thrown at her. And I actually felt... I had a conversation with a, with someone and I said, oh, isn't this lovely, this fairy tale? And my friend said, it's not a fairy tale. Fairy tales happen in books and, and in fairy tales. This is real life. And she said, I can't believe what is possessing her to marry into this family she really and I was like but why you oh, stop being so cynical stop being so you know so having such a downer on it but now I mean you know obviously the, the kind of fairy t- fairy dust has sort of disappeared and we are seeing you know quite an unpleasant side to, to to everything really and I mean in terms of you know she has essentially fallen in love and got married it's not she's not a she might she might bridle if she heard this that she's you know she's not a big camp sort of campaigner politician whereas actually she she is stepping out in that phase and she was campaigning before but it is kind of a a quirk of fate and love that she is now in that position do you feel like she should be using like that she can use that position either through the causes that she's championing or how she interacts with things or that but, kind of thing but i would say weirdly to jump in that was when the annou- the engagement was announced though those are one of the things that we all celebrated about Megan she wasn't a classic wife a royal wife in a sense that she was just going to look beautiful and not say anything she was celebrated for the fact that she had an opinion she had a voice she had a platform a modern woman she was a modern yeah. woman and she was going to use that for the causes that she cared about other women children poverty and she was celebrated for that now we fast forward the very same things that we're celebrating her for, we, we celebrated and we applauded her for raising awareness. And so we are now, she's now getting dissed for that. Why is she using that platform? Why is she, why can't she just be quiet? So it's such a weird journey I, she's been on. I feel like on. that was part of the the selling point, so to speak. Like you were saying, the, the royal family kind of putting her in this position of being this modern wife, someone who's very vocal, who's, you know, quote unquote woke. Um, I think that was kind of the, the platform they wanted to put her out there to be. And I think the fact that it is kind of backtracking in a way and the fact that she is vocal and she is speaking out on things, it kind of speaks to this idea, which I think is reflected in Britain generally, of kind of going back to how things were. This idea that, you know, roles never used to be vocal on certain issues and wanted to go back to it being that way. And I think that's reflected in other areas of the UK and in Britain where people want things to go back to the way they were. And I think she's kind of a physical manifestation of that. It's interesting. That's very interesting, and I think there was so there was a poll done last. Uh, when did, was it? It was the actual field work for it was done in early September, so before the royal tour. But I think probably just after the whole. Um, we think the environment's really important, but oh, whoops! We've just taken some private jet flights, which was. I mean, 
that's not the cleverest move of of of, of things. But it was but offset, and did you not read Elton John's <laughs> statement? It was offset. Their carbon was offset. Yeah. So we can just plant the trees should, extra. Should no one take a private jet? Should none of us? If we want to go on holiday, should we all be having staycations? And st- if we all care that much about the planet, let's none of us get on a plane. Let's all stay in the UK. I mean, there is no, an argument no for it. Go, I, mean, I mean, yeah, there's people. I mean, Greta Thunberg is let's, doing that. I mean, yes, they took private jets. Yes, and I could see the hypocrisy. But at the same time, if they are offsetting their journeys, what, why is why just them? What about everyone else who takes a private jet? Why are they not being lambasted? Well, you could argue, well, they're not telling everyone to not take, you know, to be green. But I just think that it's just a double standard when it comes to those two. Did you think the criticism around that was fair, or do you think it was more point like I don't know, targeted at them in a way that it hasn't been at other people? I think that criticism actually was fair. I think generally, you know, anything that the roles do, people especially people who are generally critical of them will jump on. But generally I do find that there are some of the celebrities who have been criticized for the same thing. I know Leonardo DiCaprio is one of them um, who's very, you know, green and all about climate change. And I have seen comments where, you know, especially on certain websites where they do criticize and call out the fact that he is someone who does that, but then it's constantly on private jets and yachts and things like that. So I don't think they're the only celebrities who are, you know, being criticized for, you know, their carbon footprint but i think again they are highlighted and they are put on a pedestal and they're judged a lot more harshly so it comes across that way so yeah so in this in this poll that was done for um tatler for their megan issue uh so they say uh three and five british adults agree it is appropriate for the royal, royal family to comment on issues like the environment compared to one in ten who say they disagree so there is an openness now to to taking part in in that discussion um where is it? Two in five think that Megan does behave hypocritically by saying one thing publicly about the issues like the environment, then behaving differently. 14% disagree. Um, they think that by a ratio of two to one, British adults agree that the media generally treats Megan unfairly um, versus 20% who disagree. And only, But only one quarter of Brit- British adults think that that media criticism is driven by racism and when i was looking at the numbers um so the all the poll data is on comrades it's quite interesting they break it down by age group and by location i didn't look at the location side of things so much but the the looking that i did with my mildly statistical brain but not massively statistical brain was that it appeared that there was the older respondents were much more biased against megan um, I think they were. I think they were less inclined also to think that she was being treated unfairly. Par- yeah, partly yeah. because, partly probably because they've seen the the history of you know an evolution of how how the media have treated royals over the year, which has certainly evolved massively. And I think certainly in the UK, they have a much more they do have a much more protected space than they used to, and we don't use the kind of the paparazzi pictures that are used on on. A lot of other international websites, actually, some some American websites, not all of them, and, and various others around the world, do still use those pictures. But we, you know, yeah. as a website, we we don't. But there was a marked kind of preference among the older people that they seemed to prefer Kate Middleton, seemed to prefer kind of the more traditional way of doing things, a bit more a sort of quieter and less less mog less modern and less Megan, I guess. And that, to me, that also speaks to you know uh, the conversation around brexit is that the old the old people are much more inclined to be kind of yeah. 
Brexit and as you were talking about going back to that, wanting to go back to the olden days that probably don't really exist and it's just that idealised fairy tale that people think, oh, the world used to be so much better. Well, exactly, and it just come, you know, just occurred to me that there was that um, story, oh, when it was announced that um, Harry and Meghan were going to have their first baby and the girlfriend of the Brexit, not the, Bre- the girlfriend of the UKIP leader, she some of her text messages were exposed and she was saying all this stuff oh, oh this is a disaster she's going to dilute the, the royal blood and all this and I think that a lot of people actually do think that they think that oh she's coming to the royal family and she's going to you know change everything and she's you know who is she to to be marrying in, into our perfect wonderful royal family and they do think that she's going to water it down but I think the mere fact that she's there and she's changing things, I just hope that she can just ride this current storm right. that's going on. It's just, you know, things don't last. And sometimes you just have to dig deep and you have to persevere and you just have to lo- not let the trolls get you down. You know, she has a clear mission. She knows what she wants to do. And I think for her, she, you know, it's just good to stay on track and not be derailed by some, you know, keyboard warrior you, you've never met. You're never going to meet again. So I, I just think that it's, you know, it, it is tough. It's not easy. But I think that, you, you know, it's important to try and stay the course, really, and persevere. So in terms of the, um, do you do you see racism in the coverage that there currently is? Yeah, I was just about to say that, unfortunately, it is lim- isn't limited to just commentators on social media or on websites. It, it is kind of embedded in some of the tabloids and some of the newspapers and some of the publications in the way in which they report Megan, in, in the words that are used, the headlines and the way in which they're phrased. And I think that's kind of the issue that people, when they say they don't see the racism in the coverage is because their definition of racism a lot of the time is very overt. It's using specific slurs and saying specific things and not really realising that it is covert. It can be you know, microaggressions or embedded in certain languages and the way in which you phrase headlines and the way in which you cover stories. And there is a lot of that in the way in which she is reported, especially when, unfortunately, you do you look at the comparison to the way in which uh, Kate is reported and the way in which Megan is reported. And, and it's unfortunate that it has to be this comparative thing, but you do see those differences. And I, I find it interesting because a lot of women in the royal family, when they marry into the royal family, they face a lot of criticism. This isn't, you know, just limited to Megan, but a lot of that time they do face that criticism. And there is elements of sexism within that so when you then add a woman who is a woman of color I don't see how you can then ignore the fact that then okay if there's probably sexism involved in this there's a good chance that there's racism in there as well so I think I think it's definitely in there but I feel like people like to kind of shy away from it and say that that's not the case so in terms of um so one of the phrases I don't know whether it's an international kind of term or whether it's one that came up in the UK I first became aware of it in the um London mayoral election last time around when the, there was talk about the campaigning having um there were dog whistle there was dog whistle campaigning the situation there being that there was um there was a white tory middle class man standing against an asian labor man um and the some of the I guess it's some of the subtext or the presentation of things you might not necessarily notice the kind of in I guess insidious would be the other word for it kind of the insidious racism that you don't necessarily even notice it there because it's a it's a dog whistle it's too high for you to hear it but it's that kind of drip 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 and what I guess what are the what are the things that 
um I don't know either either that you see in the in the wider world or that you would like people to kind of I guess like tropes or stereotypes that you think actually that needs that needs to go that's being used because it is because it's it's easy and it's low are there are there things like that that it's really easy to point to or is it is it harder than that well it's it's interesting because I think often Megan gets a lot of criticism for decisions that they clearly have taken as a couple that they've taken as a husband and wife the decision to talk about when their baby had been born or other 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 decisions and it's always Megan demands this Megan demands that Megan has done this and there's this framing of Megan as this American Hollywood and I think the fact that she's an she's American and has been an actress before that also seems to wind people up as well so there's this 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 perception that she's this She's used to a Hollywood diva ways and she's come now to bring this Hollywood divaness to the royal family and it's just not right. So, and I think that, I, I suppose I would question why why is she often the one who was called out for certain decisions that they clearly make as a couple? Why does Harry not, why are the headlines are not Harry's done this and Harry's done that? It's all framing around Meghan, which has clearly got racist undertones and very much sexist undertones. I mean, royal women have been used to getting it in the neck for years and people often say as a defense as to why Megan why Megan gets it well well Kate got it for years Camilla still gets it so it's just the thing but why do women have to undergo this relentless scrutiny and have to be ground down in in all in order to sort of be born again to be accepted and I think it's you know it was really interesting in the, in the documentary that um, ITV made about about Megan and Harry and it struck me, one of the things that stayed with me was when Megan said, I expected to be criticised, but I expected, expected it to be fair. If I do things that are wrong and we could call out the the, the, the you know, private jet things as that, we could argue that that's fair. But some things I read it, something she was blamed for, an avocado shortage somewhere. And, it, and the framing was, it was nothing to do with Megan whatsoever, but there's some shortage of avocado somewhere. And um, the headline was, Ava- uh, Megan's favourite you know food is now running out as if it was her fault somehow mm. so i find this i find this interesting because I, so i think putting my uh, putting my writer hat on and like the internet and the mm. audience i know that people are there's far more interest and passion and kind of fandom yeah. around um megan and kate than there is around harry and william that's just fact. i mean william's going to be our future king but i mean he's kind of like nice but, th- but, but bland then, but then but that was harry's point so then his point is we're commodifying if that's the word his wife we're just seeing her as a thing Think. to be clickbaity and to be putting a headline and it doesn't really matter about the consequences and we we all work in the media so we understand how we want people to read stories and engage with our content but does that mean that we have to throw a human being out of the picture just to satisfy the clicks and the readers and, and that sort of thing like, would it have been okay if we said Gwyneth Paltrow's favourite avocados? Because that, because that, why you know, can't traditionally, we, why is it that always a woman though. Why yeah, can't we true. say Leonardo DiCaprio's favourite avocados? It's always, <laughs> yeah. I just think that we all we all work in the media, but we all fall into. We've worked in newspapers, so if we have a headline and we have a page to fill, what's going to look better: a boring picture of Leonardo DiCaprio in a suit, or Gwyneth Paltrow on the red carpet in a, or make it in a nice dress? So maybe the thing is. 
maybe women shouldn't go to red carpet things and glitzy dresses and look all glammed up because then your picture's then going to be used for other purposes if that's where we kind of want to go with it. Maybe we should ban men from wearing boring suits. <laughs> maybe the yeah, men should the wear answer, better, better <laughs> outfits. But I just think, no, it's just interesting. I think also as a, as a black woman, it, it does, I am disheartened at a lot of the criticism and all the negativity that she gets, be it in the media be it the comments you know and I feel for her as a mother you know she's just had her first baby you know it's hard having a child sleepless nights you know how how we all think that she's got 50 nannies at the click of a finger and every other week she's got a new nanny but it's still hard being a new mum and then to then on top of that have to deal with all the negativity and criticism you could say well just don't bother to read it why you you've got better things to do but and no, she's just a human she's just a person as well and the fact that she had to go through a lot of that during her pregnancy i think is what makes it even more difficult because i think there's already a lot of pressure put on you during that time it's already a difficult time you know and i think having that extra media scrutiny does not help you know i think i remember even seeing a story about um people speculating that her her baby bump was fake I mean, even but they said that back. about Beyonce as well. See, that's fair. yeah, but no, but that's yeah. but it, two, but two black women. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's uh, the only time I can remember that happening with another celebrity was with was with Beyonce. And like, I mean, who are these crazy people that go onto the internet and just think that? Yeah, just, clearly it's fake baby bum. Like what? what possesses them but then, like you thing. said, it's it's supply and demand. It's this idea that if these type of stories are going to get the hits and they're going to get the comments and get the engagement they're going to continue to do those things so i think that's a part of the issue is readdressing you know you know that negative stories tend to do well that that's kind of the sad reality of it but like you were saying it does it mean that we throw someone under the bus just in order to do that it might be a case of readdressing how we see things how we approach things i think the media needs to take more responsibility in regards to that i also would say that they as a couple Need, once you recognise that, once you recognise that, I think there's there's things you can do to mitigate against. You you're, you don't have any power, you don't, but you can also play a different game as well. You can decide not to engage. You can decide. Well, Prince Harry has obviously decided. Right, he's going into battle now. He's not having it. He's going to just if anyone messes with him, messes with his family, he is he is going for them, and he's not having it. And you could argue that that then fuels fans the flames because they didn't need to do that ITV documentary. They didn't need to do it. They could have just had the cameras following them around, go into their all the charity things that they were engaged in, and they didn't have to talk about any of the personal stuff. So it was clearly a calculated decision to talk about it. But but the best way to control a narrative is to tell your own narrative. And I think that's part of why that documentary was so good because it was quite transparent i mean they addressed some things and were very honest and very frank and i think sometimes if you know that the story that's being told by the media is either not the most honest or not the most favorable the best way to do that is to retain your own narrative and i think that's part of what the documentary did and it was interesting because obviously he made a very interesting point um about not being bullied to play the game that killed his mother which was a very strong comment that he made and I think that's kind of the mentality he's at now. He's he's in battle mode and he's not willing to let the media take hold of this. And these yeah. They want to control their own narrative to an extent. But I think that they, I agree in, to an extent, but then what narrative were they trying to get across? Because what 
how that has landed with people is two privileged royals moaning about life. There's people watching that documentary saying, you know, I can't even afford a tin of baked beans to feed my children. You live in a gilded cage and you're moaning. And I don't think that, but that's how it's landing. So if you're going to use a documentary to tell your truth and to tell your message, what was the message that they were trying to tell? Was it that, oh, poor us, we're being people are being mean about us or what What were they trying to address but and I, I don't think they quite for me I don't think they quite thought through what they were trying to address because it's just brought more negativity and more heat and then you've got Prince William saying I'm concerned for my brother you've got someone going on uh, CNN saying oh well Meghan's modernizer off and now it's just it's like pouring petrol onto the whole thing which they I, didn't I need think to it do. speaks again to demographics uh, which is a point that you made because a lot of the um you know, from my own timeline and, and seeing certain comments, a lot of it was in also in support of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people saying, you know, it's good that they were frank and open and totally honest. You know, Harry being honest about his relationship with William and addressing that. Meghan being honest about the difficulty she's facing. And there were a lot of comments from women who were in support of the fact that she wasn't hiding her emotion. She wasn't hiding how she felt. She said she was struggling and it kind of sparked a bit of a conversation in terms of women in positions of power or influence being open about the fact that they do struggle with things and that it's okay to be open and honest about that. So I think there, with as with most things, I think there's two sides to it. There's a side that you just you know kind of mentioned, but then also I think it opened a portal, especially from Megan's point of view, where people kind of celebrated the fact that she was open about the difficulty she's facing and we're celebrating that. And it it opened a wider conversation, which I think is a good thing. I think it's been very interesting, all of the fallout from that um, documentary, which we talked about fairly extensively in in one of our recent episodes with Richard Palmer from The Express and um, Russell from The Mirror. So if you haven't checked that episode out yet, then then do and um, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any others because we are trying to make sure we have fabulous discussions each week for you um but uh, yeah on that on that um documentary I've entirely lost my train of thought now and I can't remember where I was going but I'm sure it was really good and important um it was good and important it was definitely good and important I mean just we're just gonna style it out it's all totally fine um Anyway, right. Well, let's change tack instead then. Um, over the last two years, are there other things? Are there? We've talked a lot about the negativity and how things have turned around to a negative sense. Are there moments that you think have have cut through and have had a had a lasting um, positivity that once once we get kind of past the past this phase? I mean, I do I do sometimes wonder. Like Britain, we really love to build someone up and knock them down because they get a little bit too big for their boots and we're not sure about them anymore and they need to know their place again and then we'll, then we'll like them again. That, you know, I, mean, that, I feel like... I mean, Andy it's a very Mur- British thing. It's a very British it? thing. I mean, Andy Murray would be able to tell you about that, I think. Like, posh spice, probably. Ten to be honest, I don't think Meghan even had the opportunity where people loved her in that way. I don't think that was even really a reality for her, if I'm honest. I think it's been a consistent battle. It's been harder in some moments than maybe it was in others, but it, there's never been a moment as of yet where it's been smooth sailing for her or she's got limited criticism. It's always been a, a battle of some sorts. But do you know, also I think, I was just thinking as you said that about the, re- the royal wedding and how modern it was, you know, you had the choir, you had the reverend, you had the cellists. I've never seen so many black people at a royal wedding ever. And then that was overshadowed with all the shenanigans of Meghan's dad and is he coming isn't he coming oh he's 
mocked up these pictures and then now all the stress is giving him a heart attack so even as she tried to get on the front foot and you know and there was a lot of goodwill for her with that wedding even the most cynical of people yeah the, I mean the, the day wedding, itself was amazing was, the was day was amazing but then I just think it just got continued you know that the, the Let's not forget her father has not helped in the matter. You know, she she wrote him a very heartfelt letter, which he's sort of let the whole world, he shared with the whole world. And he's just said some not very flattering things. So he, again, is, he's part of the narrative. And just speaking, I guess, with my journalist head on, if, you know, Meghan Markle's father was to come to me and say, right, well, I've just got this letter and she's just... Does, you know, it, it, it for your readers, you would want to share that information just to see different sides of the story. So... Unfortunately for her, she's got a lot of forces, I guess, working against her, including her own family, her half sister, and 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 so on. So it's just, it's a lot. But that's calmed down recently in terms of you know comments from from Thomas or uh, Samantha, and I think because the public doesn't necessarily, or certain people don't necessarily have that ammo anymore. That's when you go and reach for things that maybe maybe wouldn't be that big of a deal. Uh, to most people like but it set the tone I think I think the dad probably set the tone of oh she's not the woman you think she is you know there was that kind of you know (laughs) it didn't help the whole family saying she's not you know you all think that she's this amazing especially the sister you know you all think she's amazing and you know she hasn't spoken to me for x amount but you know by the time you know it emerges that well they were never close and they were estranged we the perception is already there that oh she's just she's not all she seems and I think so I think um, she's had a lot to deal with and I think it hasn't been a smooth sailing journey for her and then as you say once that narrative sets in and then you think oh this is what people are clicking on this is what they're reading this is what what is interesting it's just kind of feeding that beast really and how did you see the arrival of Archie I mean talked about it a a little bit in terms of the the um the somebody (laughs) somebody's very like (laughs) outright awful comments essentially um but the the kind of um i think that the it was a different conversation around that again and then the them not really sharing it with the wider world and then uh, at a basic level the kind of prurient interest in it like his, what what's the baby's hair color and uh, and all this kind of thing I, I mean it was a joyous joyous moment who doesn't love a baby i love babies we all love babies <laughs> we none more we all love a royal baby but again that was something that was overshadowed very quickly by danny baker who then tweeted a picture of a, a chimpanzee with two well-dressed parents and in this tweet he said you know oh here comes a new royal baby so this you know, joyous announcement of a new, was immediately turned into a race row. Yeah. The headlines were all about this race row and him being fired by the BBC and then the director general getting it. It was just every single turn, it just seems to be race, it seems to cast this shadow over this couple in a way that it, obviously it hasn't happened before because she's the first mixed race woman to marry into the family. But what does it say about us as a, as a society when everything is just dominated by a spectacle of race? Do you think it's just because we we don't talk about it, we don't deal with it, we don't like we just don't know how to engage with it, or as a society, or is it? I mean, I don't think it was um, the conversation around baby Archie was one sided. I mean, I I know for you know a lot of people there was a lot of curiosity towards you know what you know what skin tone is he going to be? Is he going to be more you know Megan's skin tone or more Harry's? Will he have like a, a kinkier textured hair? Will we, like there was a lot of conversation I think on on both sides if you will in terms of what this baby will look like. So I think 
I think race was a dominating factor on both sides, but I, I don't think that's something you can escape. And I don't think it's something she even tries to escape. You know, she, she prior to even being in the Royal family has always been very vocal about her experience as a mixed race woman, um, has been vocal about race, race relations. It's not something which is, she shied away from. So I think that adds to, that adds another layer to it because I think if she was someone who maybe didn't speak on it, maybe that may impact things differently, but she is very vocal in, in herself, in being a woman of colour, as she has said. Um, and she doesn't shy away from speaking about race. And I think that then plays a role in then the way she's spoken about by others. So when Baby Archie came about, I think naturally there were a lot of, you know, conversations, a lot of excitement, um, but then also a lot of curiosity towards what he would look like, which is, it, I, I agree with you to an extent, it's kind of a a bit of a sad reality that this is what we're speculating, um, but it is a reality nonetheless. So. And I think it is interesting that kind of... Um the celebrate the celebratory side of things. So I can remember um, when it was they spent Christmas together for the first time. They're at Sandringham. They come out. Megan had a hat that was, you know, very different from very different from Kate's. And I think I remember seeing like things on my timeline saying, you know, kind of celebratory from from the black community saying, like, you know, black ladies going to ch- going to church in a black lady hat type thing. And it was owning What's a black lady hat. I don't. I mean, <laughs> It was, I don't know. It was kind of, it kind of looked like a big, a sort of a bigger beret, I guess. I don't know. It was. I actually remember, <laughs> remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? It was the brown. It was, was br- the brown. Yeah, hat, and it was. It was quite a discreet hat. <laughs> it was, you know. I think it just wasn't, you know, one of those marveling. Yeah, it wasn't a know. fascinator confection type. Yeah, thing. It was just it a different situation. But it's, but it's that kind of. Um, it's who can who who is in a position to say something. So I know you know we had uh, some conversation in the podcast one time when Zoe, one of our regular beauty people, was talking about Megan's hair, and someone said, "Look, like you can't talk about a black lady's hair. This is not okay." And uh, do you know what I mean? It's like who where who can have? I I feel like there are things that I can't say that you might be able to say. Is that right? Like, is that right or is that not? Is it just never okay? I don't know. Do you know I what mean, I mean? It's it's funny considering the fact that she's half white anyway, anyway, which is another another layer to it. Because then there's the, also the argument of you know some people. You know, she for me personally, she identifies as a mixed race woman, so that's how I refer her to. I don't refer her to as a black woman per se, but there are people who do refer to her as a black woman. So I think it, it's it's very it's very complex. It's very difficult. But I don't. I, I think it depends on what was being said about her, what the discussion was. Yeah. But I don't. I don't think it's a case of you know. Again, it speaks to that whole thing of speaking about things that make you uncomfortable, like you have to be, I think you should be open to speak about speaking about race or issues of race, regardless if you're comfortable or uncomfortable with it. Because again, it's it's an issue within our society and I don't see how we can move forward if we continue to sweep it under the rug. So I think things like that, like hair, if we're fearful that we're not able to speak on certain things or we can't, you know, comment here and there, I mean, you can always just ask and, you know, go from there. But I don't think it's something that people should should fear or feel they can't speak on on Megan or anything like that because she's a, a mixed race woman personally what would what do you take away either from like kind of Megan's first two years essentially as a member of the royal family I mean two years since they got engaged pretty much now and how do you feel like she should move forward with things you know there's quite a lot of conversation about the mo- at the moment like will they go live in America for a bit will they go live in Africa will they, do they just want to get out of the the kind of the spotlight and and change it up or you know should they stay and fight it like how do you how do you feel the two years have gone so far and then what what comes next for them well the two years have definitely been a roller coaster 
high highs and very low lows. So I know in America, they it's a completely different conversation. They love Harry and Meghan. They're welcomed with open arms, criticism. I think they look at, I was speaking to a friend of mine who works on People magazine, and he said that we look at the, the coverage of Meghan in the UK and we don't understand it. We don't understand this negativity. We don't know where it's coming from. We think she's modern. She's glamorous. She's everything you would want in a modern woman. So we just, and we celebrate her over here. We just really don't really understand where it's all coming from. So in terms of what they do next, well, we know they're going to take a bit of a break, take some time out. Again, people would look at that and go, gosh, well, I'd like, my life's a bit stressful. I'd love to take six weeks off and go and sit in the sunshine, but I can't do that. So again, it's it, it's hard. Everything they do, there's a kind of, as you say, positive and negative. So I guess, I don't think it's a case of, you know, she said she's existing and not living. And I think, I do think that we should listen to that no one even if you're in the role you, sh- you shouldn't have to just exist you should live your life so I think if going away for some time is what they need to do then then so be it they're, they're young they've got their lo- their whole lives ahead and for you Leah like how would you like to see Megan and Harry together as a you know as the Sussex family evolve their their role and their causes and um their future and kind of keep shining a light on the issues that and turn them to, turn them to good I guess I mean, I feel like the the great thing about Meghan and Harry is that they're both quite passionate about the things that they advocate for, that they campaign for. Um, I think that's kind of one of the main assets they add to the royal family. Not to say that the others don't, but there's a there's a particular, um, I feel, passion that they have that emulates off of them. And I think a lot of people see that. So I think continuing down that path, you know, they're forging, they're trying to forge their own path. You know, we've seen the separation between, you know, them and the, the Cambridges. The Cambridges are on their own path. Obviously, you know, future king and queen, they need to forge their own path, whether that is in America or Africa or wherever it is. I'm sure that it will work for them. And I think their passion and enthusiasm for their their charitable work and the things that they bring awareness for is ultimately what they will be known for in the end. At the moment, I think it's a struggle and it's tricky. There's a lot going on. But I think once they get past this hurdle, they'll really be seen, um, you know, as champions of you know, whether it's diversity or, or mental health, they, they can pay for so many different things. And I think that's the thing that's going to shine through at the end of the day. So thank you very much for joining me, ladies. I did I did say at the beginning that it's not an issue that I feel always entirely comfortable with that may occasionally have come through. Do you feel more comfortable through. now, man? Do you feel more relaxed about it now? I do. And I, well, I, I, I feel also that I'm right, that it is an important thing that we do that we do talk about and that we shouldn't be afraid to talk about. Um, I'd be interested to hear how our American listeners um, view the situation from across across the Atlantic, where it's a different conversation again, where you've got kind of got, I don't know, you've got Black Lives Matter as a movement at the moment, you've got different things going on over there. And, you know, like it's, it, it is not an issue that is, is resolved and no. ignore, it sounds like, you guys feel that ignoring it is not the way to resolve it essentially it's it's not resolved and I think that if we thought that Meghan was going to come in and into the royal family and be part of Britain and change the dynamic of race relations that definitely hasn't hasn't happened and it's too much to expect of one person ultimately absolutely absolutely too much to expect but I think it's in a way as we've we've said it kind of is exposing it for and and that the rug is being pulled away, really, and it's forcing these these important questions and these conversations to happen. So, well, thank you very much, Eva and Leah, for for joining us this week yeah. and for sharing your thank views you. with with our listeners. Um, do check us out on Instagram at PodSave and let us know what you've been thinking. And subscribe. We'll be back with another episode very soon. But until next time.
Pod save the queen! 